Hey everybody, this is Rob Steinman, the host of Random Encounter. Uh, I wanted to put a little bumper at the start of this episode because we did something that, looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have done. Um, you know how we get off topic sometimes on episodes of Random Encounter, and on this episode, we started talking a little bit about Super Mario Odyssey, and we ended up talking about the last area of the game. Uh, I want to be very respectful to people who are uh, kind of sensitive to spoilers. I know I'm the same way. So if you are sensitive to knowing about the last couple areas of Super Mario Odyssey, we bring it up a couple times in the episode. Consider this uh, a warning. You should be going out and playing that game because it is pretty awesome despite my rage at it in places. But I just wanted to put this bumper right here. We're going to talk a little bit about the last couple areas of Super Mario Odyssey. Fair warning. This is your warning. And now we will start the show. Welcome to episode 136 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Hey, Derek. Yeah, what's up? Want to know some uh, interesting facts? I would love to know some interesting facts. I can confirm, although I'm not uh, recommending that our listeners do this, that the uh, the Switch Pro Controller is a very durable piece of material. <laughs> Why am I not surprised at all that you haven't Uh-oh. tested that? What have oh. you done to it? Yeah, yeah what you... game did you play and get mad at? <sighs> The last but Bloodborne isn't on the Switch yet. No, 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 no. The uh, darker side of the moon uh, oh, final Mario. challenge in Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Wow, did I spike that controller off a hardwood floor. Mm. <laughs> we got to get you therapy or something, Rob. Look, look, I love Super Mario Odyssey. That game is amazing. But my God, that final challenge is just like every slight annoyance I have with that game piled on top of each other, doused with gasoline, and then lit on fire. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I said to Jackie, don't ever let me play this game again. Like, I'm done. I'm never playing this challenge ever again. Have you tried it, Derek? The challenge or the game? I've done, I did some of the stuff on the, yeah, on the dark side. Not like the final, final one, I don't think. (laughs) No, there are The bonus one that you need to, what, 250 moons in order to Uh, access? 500. Oh, really? A 500 darker side of the moon challenge. Oh, I haven't been to darker side. Never mind. Where it's like a 14 challenge level of just almost every power-up slash ability that you can get in Super Mario Odyssey, including the awful lava pit jumping mechanics. And you have to do it perfectly on one life, and if you fail, you have to restart the entire challenge. No, no, no. No, thank you. No, no, <laughs> I'm done. Pass. I'm not doing it again. Like that. Man, I, I spiked the controller so hard, I fully expected to look down and see it broken in half. Like, it well, was... That was you <laughs> screaming out for release. And I, you knew how. <laughs> I need to know my limits. And, and that was, uh, like, I've really, really enjoyed that game. Yeah, some challenges have been a little obnoxious. I think some mechanics don't work as well as others. But that's, like, par for the course with a game that's that huge. Like, I'm okay with that. But this, 
Don't yeah. do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Maybe maybe I'll unlock it and then never try it. Okay, that's uh, that's you... Derek, ladies and gentlemen. Play the I'm Derek Ultra Hemesbergen. That's me. I'm Emery on the boards. I'm the uh, the third version of Derek Hemesbergen that has like maybe three more Pokemon and a cool mini game and a move tutor. And I'm still forty dollars. <laughs> wow. I, I could be DLC, but I don't want to be. I okay. I'm going to ask about Pokemon Sun and Moon in a few minutes, so we we will get there. We will get there. I promise. Uh, then on the show we also have Caitlin. I can't believe she was right about Xenoblade Chronicles X Argyros. X. X. Sorry, Xenoblade. <laughs> sorry, this god awful name. <laughs> Ah, the god awful naming conventions. Xenoblade Chronicles Two coming out. Xenoblade Two, the third game in the Xenoblade Chronicles yes, series. I remember it's kind of compl- that. I complained like about the Kingdom Hearts a little bit, aren't they? Yeah. I complained about the title of Xenoblade Chronicles X at that E3, and nobody backed me up. Can we now all agree that the naming oh, convention has gotten bad? Not bad. <laughs> I don't think I didn't back you up on that. Nobody uh, on that podcast everyone was like, I don't know. I think the title's fine. And I'm like, between that and Rise of the Tomb Raider, I want to kill myself. Like, this is Dawn awesome. of the Rise of the Tomb Raider Revelations. Origins. Uh, do you know Dude. it's War for the Planet of the Apes, not War of the Planet of the Apes? It's War for the Planet of the Apes. Well, I'm glad they think they're special. That's Caitlin, everybody. Hi, Link. They're all on the boards. <sighs> I still can't believe it's coming out. I never in a million years thought that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was going to come out. Yeah, like, you know, it very much exists. Uh, apparently, unless they delay it next week. <laughs> that no, would be they won't. no, no, <laughs> no. Oh, like, people people had their hands on it. Uh, undisclosed people who I don't know. I will, um, I will accept uh, payment in the form of money orders and checks, personal checks. <laughs> what, when you're proven right? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. I'm very excited to play it. I, I have my special edition pre-ordered. It will hopefully be here next Friday, and yeah. I just have to beat uh, Danganronpa V3 before then. I'm on the last case, and uh, that stinger for the end of case five. Derek, I hate you. <laughs> I absolutely hate you, and if that's the direction they're going in, I'm going to drive out to Arizona, and I'm going to rip your nuts hey, off. I didn't I didn't write it, dude. But, like, <laughs> you should never have let me play this game if that turns out to be the <laughs> Like absolutely not. Like I, I don't know oh. what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> have fun. Anywho, anywho, uh, we also have some new blood on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We have Nathan Lee, everybody. Hey, everyone. This is. Oh, I just want to do an introduction, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to do your own introduction. I don't have a name stored up right. for you yet. All right, so I'm uh, smashing on the boards. I am um, RPG fan's newest uh, reviews editor, and I'm a hardcore Nintendo fan. That's really mm-hmm. all you need to really know about me. Are you still? Are you the newest editor still? Reviews editor. That's that was God's probation. Yes. Hmm. We make it sound so dire. Probation. <laughs> More like <laughs> we just that way, sure you weren't like crazy and gonna like I don't know run off on us. I don't know. But uh, glad to have you. Be, you never know. <laughs> just here you might be. I mean, I'm crazy and I'm still here. So clearly, clearly, that's not criteria for expulsion. We're all crazy. I think is the answer about it's RPGs. Yep. What? What? It's <laughs> true. I'm eating. Breakfast. All right. So, uh, that's me. <laughs> so there's no real news to talk about. Nothing that uh, got announced that everybody's really excited about. No game. Yeah, that's, 
Nothing that seems like a giant apology letter. And uh, it's it's not like a game company, you know, got everybody all excited and then released a freaking Musou game and made everybody think that the franchise was dead. And now all of a sudden they're bringing out a fourth entry. God, nothing, nothing, nothing like that yeah, happened. Yeah. Valkyrie, Chronicles, Valkyrie Chronicles 4 is a thing and it looks awesome. Yeah. All right. It just so, looks like, like full on Valkyria. What? What? The, what the, the, Maybe maybe Revolution was a smokescreen, and they were like, "We're going to keep you <laughs> occupied with this crap while we're working on the real thing." And then, you know, if it turns out okay, maybe it'll make us some money. But then, then they intentionally wanted to lower expectations so that we'd all freak out when they Ooh. announced Valkyria Chronicles Four. You know, and maybe Sega. Maybe you could also finally get us Valkyria Chronicles. I'm I, I'm never going to stop asking for that. I really am not. That's <laughs> how would you like them to do it? <laughs> Do you want him to do like a like a remaster for PS4 or like a just a Vita release or what? Uh, I mean, I think Vita would be a bad idea at this point. Either mm-hmm. PS, either PS4 or port it to to Steam to PC and and have it there. Maybe um, yeah, be great. So um, perhaps an um, unpopular standpoint, considering I'm going to talk about a game I'm playing on my Vita right now later in this episode. But I'm I'm just kind of done with my Vita. Like I'm done. I am. Um, <laughs> I played some great games on it, and I appreciate it for what it is. But now that Switch exists, like, I mean, even my 3DS, I feel like I'm kind of moving away from. Um, but, you know, I just want to have all my stuff unified on one console. And God damn, do I love the Switch. So, Valkyria, I mean, Valkyria 4 is coming to Switch, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. So why not Valkyria 3 port? I don't know. I, I really want to see how it runs on Switch. Like this is the, this is the thing I'm a little concerned about with the Switch. Like uh, the we've had the reports coming out that all the Japanese third parties are, are are all running around with their hair on fire, going, "Holy crap, we got to release things for Switch." And I'm like, okay, but like, don't release a port on the Switch that is like in shambles compared to the get the big console versions. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm that makes me a little nervous. Like I don't want to get like, uh, what was it? Dragon quest heroes two apparently does not run yeah. very well on switch yeah. at all. Like, that, yeah. It makes me nervous because I'm, um, I've said it a million times. I am way more of a frame rate snob than, than yep. like a, the you know graphical quality or resolution snob. I'd rather play my game at a lower res, you know, like ne- you know, Neo and its performance mode or what have you. I am so about frame rate. And so, I've, it feels like that's the corner they're cutting to get games on Switch. Is like they can move, they can move the game over and sort of port it, but like it's going to have some kind of a hit in terms of performance. And I just wish that wasn't the case. Like I'd rather, I'd rather actually take it at a lower res, which is why it's interesting that some games like Breath of the Wild and from reports we're hearing Xenoblade Chronicles Two run better in handheld than docked because the resolution is lower, as Caitlin pointed out. Doesn't um, doesn't Doom though run pretty well on Switch? They they, they obviously lowered resolution uh, to do well, that, but I, I thought I'd heard that it actually runs pretty well. It Doom's runs at a solid thirty, I think. Yeah, and it's it's a weird one because some people were reporting lots of issues with Doom on Switch. Other people weren't. Like it was it was really all over the map. Like you would you would read one preview or watch one video, and everybody says, "Yeah, it's running at thirty. It's great." And then other people are like, "Massive audio problems, control issues, mm. stutter." And I'm like, I don't know who to believe. And I think that's that's partly the handheld versus docked mode question. Like, uh, not to bring it back to the bane of my existence, that is Super Mario Odyssey. But, like, I had played most of that game docked, and I, it looks absolutely gorgeous on my TV. 
then I picked it up and started playing handheld, and like New Donk City looks rough See, in handheld mode. I I'm the opposite. I played almost all of the game in handheld mode. I play a lot of it at work and whatnot, and I thought it looked just fine in handheld. It's pretty jaggy, at least New Donk City. Maybe that's the standout, but it, I thought it looked really, really jaggy, and I was kind of like, I was kind of shocked, and I like immediately went back to playing it docked mode, and I'm mm. like, oh, okay, it looks great now. Like, I wonder if that's also just an instance of like you're used to it looking one way, and then when you sort of see totally a big, noticeable dip, down, like, hmm, sure. yeah. But I mean, it still runs great in both modes. Like, you're getting a great 60 frames with very little frame rate drops, but it's. Uh, mm-hmm. It just has me a little nervous. Like I, it, my console of choice for Valkyria Chronicles would be uh, Valkyria Chronicles Four would be the Switch. I just want to make sure is that Switch version uh, going to run okay. It was also weird they didn't announce a PC version after the huge success that they had with the uh, Steam release of the original Valkyria. Chronicles. Yeah, I, I feel like surprised. that's what helped pave the way for Valkyria Remastered on PS4, and then like you know all that. Yeah, but hmm. uh, yay. That it's coming out. There, there Yay. is, there is yes. in fact a god. Um, I like the character designs. They look nice. Yes, they do look really nice. It's got really that cool. whole snow vibe going on. Um, you know, as long as happy about that. As long as there isn't a giant tank that makes me quit the game repeatedly, I'm on board with this game. <laughs> you ready? I, mm-hmm. I almost, I almost picked it up again, and then I was like, "No, Rob, you've tried this like five times. Just." Let it go, Elsa. Just, do, just do, let it go. Do you need me to, to teach you how to do that mission and get me I mean, I mean, I, flawlessly? I mean, I, I'm on board with that. I just, bleh, like, I think playing it on PC would be better because I wouldn't have to wait for the massive load time slash saving time that was on the PlayStation 3 that version of the game. So I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't like when a game suddenly throws its best mechanics out the door and introduces something entirely new for just like a one-off. Uh, I've talked with Derek about this a number of times. Like, I don't like that in gaming. Like that's, that's the reason why the end of Metal Gear Solid four makes me want to like chew my own ears off. Like the whole, like, Oh, we're going to involve a fist fighting mechanic at the end of this epic stealth game. Like what? What? Sometimes you, gotta, sometimes you gotta sneak, sometimes you gotta punch. You... I'm all for variety, and I think Super Mario does, uh, Odyssey does a great job of variety for the most part, but uh, like, yikes. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't put a rhythm minigame in the middle of Dark Souls. Like, don't, don't do that. Like, the, why are you doing that? It's almost like having, you know, I don't know, like a random uh, Minesweeper minigame in the middle of your class trial that brings the game to a screeching halt and isn't a whole lot of fun, Derek. Uh, well, I mean, at least you're not having to play uh, Sudoku <laughs> when you're in an incinerator. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, okay, you tore me up pretty good on that one. But yes, uh, Valkyrie Chronicles 4 looks really, really good. Super excited to play it. Apparently coming out very soon, too. They're yeah, they said it's 90% complete. What the hell? Uh, uh, next this summer. is what we want, right? Yes! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I would prefer they show it when it's as far along so we can be like, okay, cool, it's in six months. Perfect. I don't have to wait three years. Yeah, it's better that way. Yeah, they're following Monolith Soft's lead. Yay, Monolith. And even then, they cleaned it up a lot from original announcement to where it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they first started doing the teaser for something Valkyria-related, everybody starts rolling their eyes like, oh my god, is this going to be like a mobile Oh, I can't wait for something? Valkyria Gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking mobile, and I was like, if they do that, then it's <laughs> to me. So 
Valkyrie Chronicles 4 looks great. Super excited to play it. Please don't let that Switch version suck. Uh, moving on. Uh, so we got an expansion for Horizon, correct, Caitlin? Yes, the Frozen right. Wilds. This Tell me really about cool. the Frozen Wilds. Well, first, let me just say, I think the timing was perfect because going up north to um, the place is called The Cut um, because it's literally supposed to be like this frozen wilderness that's cut out of or on the edge of Banuk territory. Um, but really good timing having that come out, you know, in November when the weather is, is getting colder and now, you know, we're getting we're getting into snow territory. So I was feeling the... Uh, the wintry spirit throughout the uh, throughout the mm-hmm. DLC, mm-hmm. Um, but it it is it's very good. It continues the excellent uh, that we tradition that we expect from the original game with having freaking gorgeous environments that you waste like inordinate amount of time, you know, just sitting around watching, using the photo mode, take pictures. I seriously probably spent like over an hour throughout the whole thing, you know, just sort of gawking at uh, the environments. Um, You've got more, of course, Aloy, who uh, is still an excellent female uh, protagonist. I love her to death. You've got Mm -hmm. a lot more, um, finally, sort of background on the Banuk people who are, they're one of the tribes that exist in the game. And, but in the main game, they get very little development. You, you don't learn a whole lot about their culture compared to the other tribes. Um, so this is really good to have this expansion to flesh the Banuke out a little bit. Okay. And um, while the plot, I I actually found the side characters from the side quest to be a little bit more interesting and 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 fun than the the new characters they introduced for the main story. But they they're still good and they're still fine, and I I was still interested in their stories. Um, the main story doesn't really involve Aloy that much. Um, it's kind of missing that sort of uh, personal quest that she has in the main game, and that's that's a bit of a downer. I was I was hoping to oh, okay. to have a bit more of a, a personal motivation for her. So um, it's just there, sort of her doing stuff in that area. Yeah. So she, you learn about these rumors about what's going on in the cut. There's a couple of different people you can talk to um, in the main game in various uh, different locations. And they'll tell you that there's, there's this place up North where there's this weird curse and there are new dangerous machines that are prowling. And of course, Aloy, you know, being the, uh, the uh, monster, the, the, the machine slayer um, that she is, she wants to go off and investigate. And there is a twist towards the end that I won't spoil that does relate back to the main plot in the game. And it is an interesting plot point that I think helps um, explain a few uh, plot holes or rather unresolved plot elements from the main story uh, regarding some of the, the more sci-fi elements of the, of the game um, that I was grateful to have. Um, Although I, I won't deny what I really would have liked was to actually have this take place after the main story and, and deal with the, uh, the, the cliffhanger sort of at the end of the main story. But I guess, you know, that's, we're clearly going to get another game in the series. I don't think there's any way that Guerrilla Games is not already at work on a sequel, considering how well received Horizon has been as a mm-hmm. as as a new IP, even. So they're probably saving that whole thing for Horizon Two. Uh, 
But I mean, um, it's a nice meaty expansion. Um, it took me about 20 hours uh, Ooh, wow. to finish. And that was doing everything. That was doing the main story. There's a bunch of side quests. Um, there's uh, collectibles, of course, to pick up. Um, things like that. Uh, so, you know, it's not like you're only going to get a few hours out of this. You get you get your money's worth because I think it's what retailing for $15. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then if you if you get the new complete edition that's about to come out, it's 50 for the game with the expansion. So, as of right now as we're recording, there's like the Black Friday weekend specials going on, so it's cheaper to buy the original game for 20 bucks and the expansion for 15. But yeah, they're going to be releasing that. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's great. And I mean like it's a it's a nice, sizable environment. Um, it's not a separate. It's it's specifically added on to the original map, so you you can you can go up there, and it's seamlessly integrated into the world. So it's not like one of those things where you actually have to load into a different area, and it's it's you know isolated from the rest of the world. It's yeah. it's a big. I mean, for what it is, it's a nice chunk of uh, of the map. I mean, it's not anywhere near the size of the the whole map, but for the content, it doesn't feel like it's too small. It feels pretty expansive. There's a lot of snow, of course, because it's up, up, up in the north, so there isn't going to be as much variety in terms of the color palette, which, you know, depending on, you know, what you're doing with this. If you're playing it as part of the main game, you know, it's not really going to wear on you, but if you're just coming back to the game for the expansion, you're just going to be like, oh, look, more snow. Um, but having said that, the snow effects are good. Oh my god, are they good. The falling oh, yeah. snow is fluffy and thick, and it's a joy to see. Uh, the snow that's fallen and accumulated on the ground deforms when you walk through it in a fairly you know, believable way. It's, it, you, know, you can see Aloy trudges through the snow, and you see the snow kind of uh, falling and being trampled in uneven spots as she moves. So... They did a really good job with the snow here. Um, you know, of course they had to because there's so much of it. And I mean, yeah, uh, it's. Well, yeah, what I was going to ask you is like mechanically, right? So they introduced some new skills and stuff. So how does that, like, how do those play into your existing skill set? And do they, right. do they only function in the new area or? Um, so, yes, they introduced a new skill tree to add to your existing three skill trees. Um, you can use these throughout the game. So you don't have to, you know, you're not, you're not locked into, it's not a, um, what is it? Uh, Deus Ex, uh, the, the DLC for Mankind Divided, where, you know, you had to rebuy all of your skills and it was just locked to that one DLC. You get access to this tree, you know, pretty much from the start. Um, you could start, you know, buying skills from it even before you go to the cut, and you can use them throughout the game. Um, the skills themselves, I honestly don't think are all that useful, at least, you know, there's nothing super exciting about them. There's some quality of life skills, like one that increases your inventory space for the oh, okay. uh, random crap you pick up, which that's definitely appreciated because that that your um, your inventory kind of gets uh, uh, filled up pretty quickly there's another skill that lets you break down uh, items in your inventory um, for uh, for metal shards you get fewer of them than if you were to sell things to a vendor but if you're out in the middle of nowhere in a pinch you can do that 
Um, and then a lot of them have to do with mounts and making mounts a little bit easier to, to work with. Um, so for instance, there's a skill that lets you harvest things and pick up things without having to get off your mount, which that's a nice touch because honestly, I didn't really use mounts a whole lot um, in the main game, partly because if I wanted to pick things up, I'd have to get off. Um, of, unfortunately, your mount like stops cold when you do this, when you're picking things up, you, you, you know, oh. you run up to the thing and you can pick it up, but then your mount stops moving. And so it still feels a little, uh, you know, like it, it doesn't quite work. I still ended up running around a lot on foot in the frozen wild. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. yeah. And like that sort of gets rid of the entire point of having that as an upgrade. I mean, it's I like a small convenience, but if you have to stop every time you pick something up, man, yeah. oh well. it's, it's a shame. Um, there's not, I mean, the coolest thing is uh, a skill that lets you launch an attack from your mount. So you could be riding up to an enemy and Aloy will just like, throw herself from the mount on top of the enemy so that, Ooh, you know, cool. yeah. Um, but I mean, like, eh, it's not, it's not super amazing, but I mean, like um, there's nothing in the, the expansion that makes you think that you need any of these skills. It's all largely focused on the existing skills and the basic, you know, gameplay uh, that you've by this point already mastered. Um, and you will, even if you've, you know, you're starting the game from scratch, you cannot start, or rather you should not be starting um, the cut until you're at least in the thirties. You won't actually get uh, access to the cut until you're, until you can access the entire world map in the game. And the enemies are tough and missions steadily increasing the level requirements. So you will have your skills firmly, you know, under your belt by the time you get there. And you are going to need them because the new machines, they are tough. They, they did a good job of if you're the kind of person that likes to just sort of keep your distance from enemies and snipe them from afar, they don't let you do that. They, they close the distance very, very quickly and they are very aggressive and in your face. So you have to be a lot more, you know, uh, you know, on, you know, on your feet, you have to be able to move and quickly and, you know, just, flip from place to place. And it's actually, it's a pretty challenging uh, experience. Um, some of the missions pitch you up against multiple new machines at once. And that was pretty harrowing, but also pretty freaking awesome. So um, it's, it's, there's a lot to love. And I think I mentioned this in the review, but um, one of the things I really appreciated was they introduce existing mechanics like there's a bandit camp that you have to take over there's uh like i mentioned there are collectibles um that in the main game you would like pick up these trinkets and you could take it to a trader and they would exchange uh it for uh for special boxes that you could you know get lots of oh, yeah. from. um but they've okay. done enough i feel to like add uh or or change up the the whole thing so that it doesn't feel like it's just Oh, here's Bandit Camp number ten out of eleven, or whatever. You know, it's there's a little added things like um, I mentioned in the review the the tall neck in the region. It's actually busted when you get there. You have to fix it before you can oh. scale it and reveal the map. So you actually have to go hunting 
for the parts that you need to fix it first. And that helps to make it feel less like just another tall neck and more like this mm-hmm. sort of unique uh, quest experience. Yeah. Some welcome variety so that you don't feel like, oh, I'm in a new area with a different like environmental texture, but I'm still completing the same tasks. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Does, it, does it still feel balanced properly? I know it takes place kind of in the middle of the story. <clears throat> if you were toward the end of the game, is it still challenging content if you go back to it? Yes. Okay. Um, so I loaded up my pre-end game save, the save right before finishing the game. Um, and I was at level 48, I think. And at the time, level cap was 50. The level cap has been expanded to 60 with this expansion. So you you do have some room. Oh, I didn't know that. Why did I not yeah. know that? Okay. Yeah, it's nice. And you you do, you you level up. I got up to like almost 60 by the time I finished the expansion. And yes, it was challenging even for me at level 48 uh, to deal with some of these, uh, some of these enemies and some of the missions. So I had imagined it would be even more challenging to do if you try to do it right when you get access to it um, yeah. at level 30 uh, or around level 30. Yeah, I appreciate the level cap increase because if, if that's a concern that people have, like Rob just brought up, there's be, there's going to be enemies at a higher level than previously existed, probably enabling you to level up. So it's like there's no way that you can be over leveled and steamroll it, right? Uh, I don't I don't see how. I mean, I I mean I like I said I was. I was level 48. I had pretty much all of my, my weapons unlocked. I had even the, I, the, um, the super uh, armor that you have to do this like game-long quest, and you don't basically get it until right before the end of the game. Um, the armor that, lets, that gives you a shield that regenerates over time. Oh, um, okay. And even then, I was having to you know uh, scramble to deal with these enemies. Um, there are there are new machines, but there are also old machines in this new area. But they've they've tweaked them. They are called demonic uh, machine, you know, demonic variants of all the different machines, and that basically means that they are stronger. They don't have as many weaknesses to elements, so you can't necessarily just abuse uh, your elemental weapon types to to disable them and things like that. So the, even even the normal, the non new quote unquote non new enemy types. Uh, in this expansion are harder to deal with as gotcha. a result. So, so yeah, I would, I would definitely say it's challenging even if you are at max, even if you've done everything else in the game like I have. It's still going to be a challenging experience. And that's okay. good, I good, think. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds good. Uh, I still haven't even beaten the, the, what is it called, the Trials of the Sword in Breath of the Wild, the first expansion pack for that. So, like, I should probably beat that before I move on to another open-world, explore-everything type game. Hmm. Um, I'll do that, and then I'll pick up Horizon. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's only 20 bucks. I really should yeah, buy it. I, I, it's, since I just bought Nier, I got to do that, and I got to do Xenoblade. But Horizon is at the top of my pile of shame. I really do want to play that game. I just, I think it's awesome that Gorilla was able to bring this game out. <clears throat> Remember when they first announced it, we were all like, really? The the kill zone guys and this <laughs> this seems to have given them like a creative spark and in a lot of ways i know this is going to sound like a tangent but let me finish up the thought when i saw the first like art for destiny that game ended up not really encompassing everything that i thought that that art design was going to do because it's you know it's a corridor shooter and that kind of bummed me out a little bit but like 
the Horizon Zero Dawn art, like they did create that world, and that's really impressive. And it yeah, feels it feels like a place. Whereas when I play Destiny, I feel like I am just rolling through corridor after corridor of shooting people. With which again is it can be really really fun, but like that art design is just begging for something different with that world. And that was kind of a bummer. Whereas I think horizon is, you know, giant metal cybernetic brontosaurus. Like that's, that's pretty goddamn cool. Like I'm digging yeah. that a little bit. That, that seems sweet. Uh, and I, I can't, wait. and it seems to have been very, very, very successful for them as a company. They were talking about how the, the sales were way higher than they were expecting. And that's really, really good for those guys. Cause I swear to God, if they made one more kill zone game, I was like, <laughs> oh boy okay you guys just keep making their kill zone I'm dang old game just me all coming out hey, they, they had a shtick okay they did have a shtick and and i i remember when kill zone was first uh shown as kin and it was going to be the halo killer and it seemed to take like about a decade and a half for them to to shake that <laughs> off so you know what? Uh, whenever somebody says the whatever killer i mean that's one of those phrases that really harkens back to like game pro and video game magazine days yeah every month we had to really latch on to these new titles it's like this is the new thing i always think of dark cloud being advertised as (laughs) the zelda Zelda killer yes yes well i mean we don't have anything like that in today's gaming culture uh speaking of that let's talk about the dark souls of nintendo switch games uh uh wait what what skyrim I just want everybody to know that Skyrim on Switch is Skyrim on Switch. I just, I, I think amazing, but but you know, that's still impressive though. It it is kind of amazing. Like, yeah. I, granted, I I think it kind of needs to be played in handheld mode to really get an appreciation for like the technical marvel that it is. Like, I was playing a docked, and I was like, okay, well, it's it's Skyrim on my my big TV, and doesn't look as good as when I played it on PC back in 2011. Uh, but okay, this is kind of cool. And then I took it out of the docking station and I was able to go to Target and play Skyrim while drinking a coffee. And that, Why are you playing at Target? Because Jackie <laughs> lives at Target and so like she planted me at the Starbucks so I could drink a coffee while she went shopping. And it was just kind of like, wow, I'm like I'm like going to Windheim in the middle of Target. And that's kind of neat. Like it... Right, yeah. It's really impressive, and I think Skyrim is actually a better bite-sized experience to maybe be played on the Switch. Part of me thinks the pricing is a little ludicrous. Like, $60 for this six-year-old game on Switch seems... I, it, come on, guys. You could have at least brought it down to, like, 40 Like, maybe? Like, make it a little bit more palatable, but it's really, yeah. really impressive. And I I think it's the right way to play, especially with the, the radiant quests, those repeating quests of like, oh no, someone took my baguettes. Can you please go get my baguettes? Like, God, I hate it when somebody takes my baguettes. I know. It's, it's really <laughs> freaking obnoxious. But it, it works in a handheld system. Like, that actually kind of works. Like, oh, I get a little bit of my Skyrim right now, and then I can, like, turn it off and go back to whatever the hell else I was doing. Between that and Doom and Wolfenstein, it seems like Bethesda's stepping their, is putting their big toe in the Switch pool, and that's a good sign. It just goes back to what we were talking about with Valkyria Chronicles. Just make sure that you're not really making compromised experiences. It's a powerful little machine. Like, Xenoblade looks great on all those videos on it. Like, it, it is a powerful little device let's make sure that we're using it appropriately. But Skyrim on Switch is, uh, it, it, it's Skyrim on Switch. I, does anybody else need to know anything else about it? I have no more questions, Your Honor. 
I, I'm I'm excited to play it. I will probably do what I always do with Skyrim, which is put like 20 or so hours into it and then stop. And then in like a year or two, I will end up doing it again. But I am I'm enjoying playing it on a handheld, and that's mildly nuts to think about. It's it's I mean, cool. It's, it's more Skyrim. Slightly tempting, but again, I've uh, I can count the number of hours that I played Skyrim on one hand. <laughs> And uh, if I, I want to play it, I feel like I want to play it with cool mods on PC because it's first yeah. person. It's something about first person games I like playing with a mouse and keyboard. So it kind of depends for me, mouse and keyboard. Like I, I played Metric Prime. Yes, well, I, I played a little bit of Doom with controller. Okay. I, I know heresy, but I played a little Doom with controller on PC. The P, the controller, uh, the, the uh, handheld. Blah, let me try that one again. The gamepad can. The game one more time, baby. The gamepad controls actually work really well. Some of the some of the finger movements uh, for my left hand on PC are kind of awkward, and I know you can remap them, but like the, my my fingers maybe aren't as dexterous as other people's. But like being able to really quickly switch over to chainsaw was really really nice on gamepad. So it, it feels more like a gamepad game, whereas like wolfenstein requires you to kill those nazis really really fast and that means headshots and i'm like all about mouse and keyboard when it's headshot time you know what but shooter I, I played on console and actually enjoyed the experience of was titanfall 2 really yeah for some reason that one really worked for me on console mostly because the sliding on walls felt really good yeah yeah yeah. If it's if it's a slower paced game or some kind of stealth title, like I'll play Dishonored with a gamepad on PC just because I want that analog movement. I want to be able to like kind of poke my head out a little bit and kind of creep up on people. And the the mouse and keyboard doesn't really allow that. But if I need precision, I will like instantly switch over to mouse and keyboard. But it just I think Skyrim on Switch again is is very very impressive. It is great. I would wait for it to maybe come down in price a little bit. Because I think yeah. sixty dollars is asking a lot for an old game. If that thing comes down to like thirty, that's a that's like a everybody who owns a Switch should probably have it just to have something to tool around in. I get it for twenty, probably. Twenty's fair. I think twenty's not, extremely 20 fair. Not such a big fan. You were saying Nathan? No, so twenty's pretty good too. Yeah, I have a, a friend who is um, really big Skyrim fan. Like he's put hundreds of hours into the game over the course of its various iterations. But he's a uh, uh, pretty exclusive PS4 kind of guy, and he recently got Skyrim VR, and apparently he says it's actually um pretty fun. He says it's kind of like wonky and hard to get used to at first because he was really resistant to the idea of playing with the move controllers. Um, but once he got into that, he said like, uh, it's the kind of game you play, and you you know you don't feel like you're in VR at first, but then it really kind of creeps up on you, and you reach a moment where you're like, whoa, I've been in this for a while, and I'm in another world. So. Um, it, he gave it his like I wouldn't say tepid recommendation but you know he said it was a uh, uh, worth it if you're really invested in Skyrim but yeah uh, I'd be curious to try it I should go over to his house and give it a go I don't I mean, think... what if my first Skyrim experience was uh, Skyrim beer and, and you're just like shooting lightning bolts at people I mean it does feel pretty cool when you're shooting the emperor's lightning at people like that's that's kind of fun I, I don't really get tired of that yeah uh, I don't think we'll probably see Fallout 4 on Switch. Uh, that game already ran I don't, pretty rocky. I don't want rocky. to see Fallout 4 anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the other issue. I don't want to hear you talk about Fallout 4 again, Rob. I want us to remember the good times. <laughs> I, I just don't th- That game ran pretty rough on consoles, and it was uh, you know an upgraded version of their Skyrim engine. I don't know if we're going to get that on Switch. I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, I wouldn't count on that. Uh, but I did play like five minutes of that on PC the other night, and uh, that PC version's really good. You know, just you know, wish wish there was more to like in that game. But like that art design's great. Uh, Fallout Four looks phenomenal on PC, and I thought about loading it up with mods, and then I started going down the dark road of looking up Bethesda's mod community, and I was like, nope. No, I. I think the only game that I genuinely enjoyed modding up quite a bit was uh, XCOM Two. Just the way mm-hmm. that they they integrated that with Steam Workshop and like the best mods were really easy to find and very easy oh, to figure out what they were doing, and they plugged right into the game like from the launcher. So that I don't know something about that made it really good. Yeah, yeah, and it it just. And it's easy to turn off and screw around with, like if I wasn't really digging that. And that also got us to the the topic that we were talking about with XCOM 2 uh, at the end of the summer, which was some of those mods were like quality of life improvements that made me like the game. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe that's a little bit of lazy game development, but there, right. there was something that that game that game really needed some mods. The community shouldn't have to step in and do it, but you're glad that they did because it made the game better. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And they did some of that for War of the Chosen, which, man, I'm about ready to fire up another XCOM 2 campaign. That game is, like, secretly one of my best experiences of this year, and it totally snuck up on me. Like, I had no idea that that game was going to take over my summer the way it did. Uh, mm-hmm. Anywho, speaking of re-releases, DLC, and things that probably could have been expansions... <laughs> <Yeah>. uh <laughs> <laughs> the Pokemans Ultras, uh, the Pokemans Ultras, uh, a giant ball of fire and uh, spherical rock asteroid thingy. Good job, you got there. Yeah, I got there. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon Ultra Sun Ultra Moon came out. It's the uh, third version of Sun and Moon, a la you know Platinum Crystal, all the other third versions that have come out up to this point. It's more like a black two, white two situation where it's okay. Um, okay, okay, stop. Stop, 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 stop. I have one question. <laughs> I finally have two Pokemans experts in the Derricks and the Nathans to answer this question that somebody who has not played a Pokemon since red or blue can ask. All right, oh you guys God. ready? Probably right. asked yeah, last year when it came out and you didn't listen to my answer, but go ahead. I, pr- I probably didn't. Um, <laughs> if you were going to recommend a Pokemon game to me right now, Sun Moon, or you would just say you would just say go Sun Moon, screw Ultra. No, sorry. You can go to oh, Ultra. If I go to Ultra, but that's not one of my favorite Pokemon games from the last couple, uh, few years. Okay, but if I was going to play one of these games, if I was going to play Moon or Sun, would yeah, you tell Ultra. me to just go directly to Ultra and just yeah. bypass Sun and Moon? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just do that. Because, so, it's confusing because they haven't always stuck to the same kind of iteration in each of these third versions. Um, like Black 2, White 2 was actually technically a sequel to the story that was set later on chronologically. Whereas um, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon takes place, you know, in the same timeline, but you're dealing with, you know, you have uh, the lion and the bat, the two legendaries. So you're dealing with the third one, Necrozma, this time, and there's more story to go with it. Like they've expanded it for sure. Because you yeah, have stuff with that. I heard like the script was double the length of Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Moon. Yeah, it's like it's definitely more more expansive. That's the word that keeps coming to mind. More voluminous, but it still follows the same trajectory. You still like play the characters new to Alola. You still go fight like the same equivalent of gym leaders, the trial captains. Um, you know, all that's the same until things. I mean, there's like there's new stuff throughout. There's a a new pair of characters called the Ultra Recon Squad, I think, and they're people who like 
research other dimensions. And because towards the end of the game, you actually start going into other dimensions and you can actually catch all of the old legendary Pokemon from all the old games. Not the mythical, but the legendary. So like the distinction there is legendary stuff like um, like Zapdos, Articuno, Moltres, Mewtwo, um, you know, Palkia, Dialga, all the, like the big ones that you see on the covers of the games. And then the mythical are things like Mew, Celebi, Victini, Jirachi, the, like mostly the little ones. So, yeah, so, <laughs> right, yeah, like the mascot Pokemon, more like. Um, so, you know, in this one, you have more story that's happening throughout. So if you're the type of person who usually buys both versions anyway and plays them both, like if you bought both Sun and Moon and you played through one with Poplio and the other with Rowlet or whatever, you know what I mean? Like played one as a girl, one as a boy, just to get the most out of it and catch all the Pokemon, then I don't know that it would be necessarily worth playing through a third time. But if you played it a year ago and would like sort of a fresh experience, like a reason to revisit it, if you're just kind of jonesing to replay it anyway, this is absolutely the way to go because they've added in, you know, they've added enough is what I would say. It's like, it's just enough. And I think they're really pushing it by making these separate releases because some of the things that they've added to it are sort of quality of life things like the ability to, there's a new mini game called uh, Mantine surfing where you just go like surf between the islands and it's, it's cute. It's fun. But one of the rewards is you get these points that you can turn in to teach your Pokemon certain moves. And like that sort of system should have just been there in the original. To be fair, I feel like always the third releases are always kind of like this. They always add the the quality of life things, change the story a little bit, and then they just release the game again. Yeah, and it, it's a shame because, I mean, I'm not saying that I expect them to change. I just think that this is the kind of thing that I would ordinarily expect to see as a DLC-type situation for almost any other game. But for some reason, Nintendo continues to do the whole third game format for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you got to pay $40. Bucks. Um, so it's I think it's an excellent starting point, and you can skip right past Original Sun Moon and jump right into this one and get you know the most bang for your buck. Um, it's a little bit of a harder sell unless you're really into Pokemon, and I am quite into Pokemon. Um, so, and I play with my my partner, and we both like you know we trade and we enjoy talking team strategy and stuff. So it definitely depends on how invested you get. But as far as new stuff, this one adds like just enough. Have you had? Have you been playing it as well, Nathan? I'm just about to start. I just uh, I was a little sour on the game actually before, like all this news came out that they're adding in the team Rainbow Ro- Rainbow Rockets and uh, all the new legendaries in. Mm-hmm. But before that, it seemed like they uh, weren't really sure. I wasn't really sure the direction they wanted to go with Ultra Sun and Moon up until that point. Right. Me too. I thought the same thing. But now we have uh, what Nathan was talking about. Team Rainbow Rocket is, uh, you know, every game has their villainous organization, and Team Rocket was the original with Giovanni and Jesse and James. So in this one now, there's Team Rainbow Rocket, which brings back all of the villains throughout the entire series into one evil villainous team. So it's like an anti-Justice League situation. Um, that would be the Legion of Doom. Sure. I don't know anything about DC. Actually, so. actually that was the Legion of Doom that was formed by Lex Luthor. This is why you're here, because I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so there's Legion and of now, Doom. And now I'm remembering Justice League, and I want to actually die right now. Oh, God. <laughs> was it really bad? Well, I mean, it should tell you something that the next night we went and saw Thor Ragnarok again just to, like, wash that taste out of our mouth. Because yeah. Thor was great, but, like, Justice League was – it's barely a movie because it's so hacked to the bone. And, like, you can see the Snyder bits. You can see the Whedon bits. And it's like, what the hell am I even watching? Like, 
this is like a gelatinous mess. Like, ew. Anywho. Mm. Um, I think what you're telling me is just wait for Pokemon Switch. I feel like that's what I'm being told right now. It's just well, wait you, for Pokemon Switch. You personally, mm-hmm. yes. But okay. for, for people who... Well, because, because I know your yeah. taste. So, like, people yeah. who haven't played a Pokemon game in a while, I think Sun Moon brought so many incredible improvements to the formula. And it's, I mean, it's still pretty formulaic overall. You're still traveling through a land, collecting Pokemon, and doing, like, eight, you know, badges or badge equivalents. But they've changed up the way you do all of that stuff. And some of the things, yeah. I, I never want to go back to using um, HMs again, now that you can ride Pokemon to accomplish yeah. all of your travel-related and, like, uh, environmental interaction-related stuff. No, never never again with HMs. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I think really makes this stand out as... Uh, a great entry point. It feels like this is a really good one for people who played Red Blue and then nothing else. Yeah, it, it seems like a good way to bring people back. And it seemed like everyone responded really well because last year's had Pokemon Go hype. Then a lot of people jumped right back into Pokemon after playing Pokemon Go. Jumping yeah. back into Sun and Moon, I mean. Mm-hmm. So so I'm, I'm liking it so far. Uh, again... 40 bucks, maybe not worth that. Um, I got it because I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a diehard, but I do, I do like Pokemon a lot. We, we went and saw, <laughs> we saw the new movie in theaters because they're having a, like a two day special sh- screening event with Adam events where you can go see oh. Pikachu or Pokemon. I choose you. Oh, God. Um, uh, it was I, just, you were prepared for the end of the movie? Oh, my God. It was so bad. <laughs> Why would they do that? Did you hear about this, guys? So, Especially the moment. Are we, are we going to talk about that? The moment. Yeah. About that? There's the, a, moment. So the new Pokemon movie is intended to be like a nostalgic appeal because it's a, a recreation, more or less, of the first episode of the Pokemon animated series ever. And But it goes on into something more where Ash gets his Pikachu and then they go on a quest to find Ho-Oh because if you watch the show, you know that th- that first episode at the end of the episode, they find... But they see Ho-Oh in the distance. He was a legendary Pokemon that wouldn't be introduced until Generation 2. So for the longest time, that was like the schoolyard rumor to, to beat all rumors. People were like, who is that? Is that just like Moltres or what? Blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so there was a lot of mystery surrounding Ho-Oh back in the day. And um, so they actually really expanded that and leaned into it and said, okay, now Ash and Pikachu meet. And now they're going to go on a quest to find Ho-Oh. And they, you know, there's like, they meet other trainers that have Pokemon from future generations and stuff. So... It's interesting to see how they worked all that in. But anyway, um, there's a scene near the end of the movie where <laughs> like, Ash dies or something. I, sorry if that's a spoiler, but it's a Pokemon movie. Um, much like the original Pokemon movie where you think that uh, Pikachu died. The same thing happens in this one where like Ash basically gets annihilated. And uh, there's a little dream sequence or whatever where Pikachu was looking at him and uh, he speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Does he sound, uh, does he sound like Danny DeVito? Does, does he I win. Like <laughs> no, he has like a very high voice, and he just says, "It's because I always want to be with you." And the entire theater groaned when it happened. Oh. <laughs> and it was like, "What? Oh no!" But if you to like go online, there have been some uh, pretty funny reaction videos that are like. Audience, here's Pikachu speak English for the first time, and everybody's like, "What the hell? No!" <laughs> that, that was that was similar to the two groan moments during uh, Justice League. The first being when Henry Cavill's awful CG face showed up, where they had to take his mustache out. 
and like he he looks like a Sims character. Like it is, it's dist- well because they had to do a bunch of reshoots, and so they brought Henry Cavill back, and he is contractually obligated to have a mustache for a movie that he's working on. So they had to CGI out his mustache, and he he looks like human Shrek. And it, it is I'm looking this up. Yeah, you need to see it. It's really really bad. So, that- so anyway. But just to wrap up my point, it was uh, okay, okay. then I'll get the other one. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the the Pokemon the, the movie was whatever, but I I went because I care enough about Pokemon, and I, we thought it would be just like a fun nostalgic thing. And they gave you a little um like a card with a QR code that you could scan into Ultra Sun Ultra Moon to get Ash's Pikachu with Ash's hat on. So that was like a cute That's little cute. bonus. That's yeah, cute. yeah, but uh, yeah. So Ultra Sun Ultra Moon, yes, it's the definitive version of Sun and Moon. Um. It's probably not going to be a required buy for everybody, but generally the type of people who would think about buying the third version are just going to buy the third version regardless. So you don't really need me to tell you yes or no on it. It's just, it's Sun Moon with more stuff. It's more complete, more story, more accessible Pokemon. So is it better than the originals? I mean, arguably, yeah, but just depends on how much you want to buy it again. So, okay. What were you saying, Rob? I think you're telling me to just get the the, the Switch version. Yes. yes. Oh yes. I, I think that's what you're telling me. Uh, okay. Oh god. Oh god. Yeah. I got it. Oh. <laughs> Wait. That's gonna be exciting times when I show that game for the first time. Wait one second. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna post this right here because I want to get Derek's reaction. Okay. okay I see that there's an article that says Justice League. Warner Brothers reportedly offered to create CGI mustache if Paramount would let Henry Cavill shave. What the hell am I reading? No, look at look at this what? picture though. That is what he yeah. the left picture is what he looks like in the movie. Where is it? It's in the uh, it's in the chat. Just take... oh, that's no. what everybody's been posting. I've yeah, seen that really? picture, and I was like, "What am I looking at?" Yeah, so that that was the first grown part of Justice League. The second was when I know, I know, spoilers. Superman comes back. When Superman first comes back, he's evil for some reason, and he has a British accent for some reason. And I just leaned oh. over Jackie, and I was like, "Why is he suddenly British? What is happening?" Like what? What is what is actually going on? And the movie is so screwed up that when Aquaman shows back up in Atlantis and he begins talking to other characters, he might as well have been speaking Swahili because I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I have absolutely like like just like this jargon is, or what? Yeah, they were just speaking in jargon. Like, oh yes, you you haven't spoken to your mother in forever. I know, I left years ago. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, this is like if you just turned on a movie in the middle of the day on TNT, and you had ne- like you had never even heard of the Lord of the Rings, and you came in on the Two Towers, and you're just like, like why what? are those those pink faced people fighting each other? Yeah, why do they have hairy feet? Like, what what the hell is actually going on? Like, it just, whew. Well, that was weird, but Thor Ragnarok was absolutely amazing, and I could stare at Tom, uh, excuse me, Tom Hiddleston and uh, and Chris Hemsworth all day. Oh, long. Not Tom Hiddleston. Ugh. Really? Uh, You're what? Not- no. His ass is really cute in Crimson Peak. He's got a cute little butt. <laughs> I'll be really the judge does. of that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I. I- <laughs> I bow down to your ability to objectify. I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston has no. No, go ahead without me. I'm fine. Uh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> he's googling the ass. He's googling the ass. I mean, it's very pale, and uh, you know, I'm down for that. So you know, just throwing it. He's got that. Uh, he's got that Geralt Swimmers build going on. So like, 
I'm, um, I'm a-okay with all this. These screen caps are blurry, and he needs to wash his hair, so it's going to be a I no really, I really liked Loki in Thor Ragnarok, I gotta say. Everything in Thor Ragnarok was just goddamn amazing. But I haven't seen the, it yet. The 80s synth soundtrack, uh, Kate Blanchett just being delightfully evil. She was um, awesome. She she was great. Like The, the whole movie was just a, a, a goddamn treat. Jeff Goldblum playing Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum was just, oh my god. <laughs> Need more it's, Jeff Goldblum. It, it, I just like how they made Thor into a bro, just a big dumb bro, and it totally works. Uh, anywho, so uh, Rob, wait for Pokemon Switch. Okay, got it. You think they'll do two versions of Pokemon Switch? I feel like they kind of have to. I mean, they like to make money, right? So. Oh my yeah. god, no. <laughs> I feel we'll like see, because this is the first time doing a console game in years. So we'll can see. You what imagine like. like the Breath of the Wild world, but it's Pokemon. I know. That'd like, be amazing. Being able to solve puzzles with po- like that's how I'm thinking about this. Like I get a water type Pokemon and now I can solve water puzzles. Like that's how I'm thinking of this. Like better to keep it lower than that. I, I probably should, but like the, my brain is like racing through like everything that you could do with this. Like seeing a bunch of Pikachu's just like it's basically what we all thought Pokemon Go was going to be, and it just ended up like not doing that but you know whatever but like pokemon switch could be something really amazing as nintendo is just doubling down on big giant open worlds and putting interesting things to do in them like so you're saying that monolith soft should make it i would be a-okay with that but like i I think i'd want it to be maybe a little bit more than an rpg like i i want the like pokemon to me has always been tinkering with the idea of like maybe you can use the Pokemon to solve puzzles. Like, remember in Red and Blue, like, when you got a flying-type Pokemon? Like, that... Maybe you could do something with that, but maybe it turns into some other type of game. I don't know, but just my brain races at that idea. Mm -hmm. Like, that might be really interesting. would be really interesting, just with, like, Pokemon roaming actively in the wild with other players and stuff. Yeah, that could be cool. Oh, God, it's Pikachu! Oh, if they have that, they can do away with random encounters. That actually might be good. Uh, yeah. they, they just everything should get rid of random encounters, but that's that's you know not, except not for random encounter. There yeah. are oh! podcasts. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm sorry, you can't take it back, Rob. You just said that we should. I, I did, I did. All right, shut it down. Shut it down. Shut shut the damn yeah. thing down. You didn't know when you were listening. This is going to be the final episode of Random Encounter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Derek, you've been playing the Vita version of uh, Valhalla. Oh, great. Now I'm going to have to look that up for the show notes. You can uh, just say Valhalla. It's okay. Yeah. What do you think? I think I know how to say it. I think it's from memory. Isn't it V? It's all caps. V-A-11 space H-A-L-L-A. Yes, I think. Okay, because it's like it's a, it's the cyberpunk bartending sim visual novel and takes place in the future where the like government has nanomachines that watch everything you do and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's a, you work at this bar. It's it's like drinking establishment, VA dash one, one hall a. So get it. So it's like, so playing words, clever. Anyway, Valhalla is, uh, it's not new. I forget that it came out like two years ago at this point. I want to say it was first teased quite a few, like maybe 2015 or something, but it came out on, PC, as far as I know, in 2016, and here we are at the tail end of 2017, so the Vita version just came out, and uh, I wasn't aware that it wasn't out yet, I guess. I just sort of assumed it was. So, 
I've been playing the Vita version a bit. Um, it came out, I don't know, two weeks ago at this point, as of this recording. And so I've been kind of digging into it a little bit before bed every night, but I haven't made a ton of progress. I think I'm in the third day or so of working. So the the basic flow of the game is such that, like I said, it's pretty much a visual novel. So you play as this bartender girl um, who works at Valhalla, and customers come in and they start to sort of unload their problems on you. And they'll ask you for drinks while they're there. And you have a little sort of drink mixing interface where you mix the different types of liquors in certain quantities. And you can choose if it's on ice or you can choose if it's aged and like how long you shake it and stuff. <laughs> and depending on what you, um, you know, if you make them what they want, they'll be happy and they'll probably uh, open up to you more and tell you more about themselves. But conversely, there are opportunities where you can choose. Like there's one of the particular ingredients is like the thing that makes it alcoholic. So some characters will say things like, I don't know if I really want to drink tonight, but I don't know, just hit me with whatever. So it's like, oh, okay, you as the bartender get to decide if they're going to get drunk or like, is it good for them to get drunk or not? And um, I imagine I could be totally wrong about this because I didn't really, I didn't play the original on PC and I haven't gotten that far. I, I assume what you do changes the outcome of the story, like whether or not certain characters come back on separate nights or whether they do stupid stuff because they got too drunk or they get mad because you don't get them drunk. So um the the two things about it that you really notice right away well three i guess number one music is um phenomenal so far like very sort of jazzy um synthy electronic like blade runner style music and then it's got an art style that's very evocative of sega cd adventure games like snatcher and police knots which i'm very into and then third is the writing the writing is really sharp so far and they do not shy away from stuff like like it's very clearly written by um like I, I don't know if they're american or canadian but like westerners so there's a lot of very frank conversation about um like work and sexuality and stuff and uh yeah i don't know i'm i'm really digging it so far i just haven't put too much time into it because i've been really distracted by pokemon um and i recently finished zvi and submitted my review for that and then now I've got another game on my plate. So it's been, it has been on the top of my priority list. But so far, I'm really into it. And if you've ever seen screenshots of stuff, like... Because I know Snatcher and Police Knots are not very accessible games because they're both on obscure sort of platforms that are hard to get a hold of. But um, this looks like those. So it's got like that really cool... I don't really know how to describe it other than like a cyberpunk edge to it. Very colorful. Um, and bright. So if you like stuff like Blade Runner and you like visual novels and you like anime type stuff, then you'll probably like this. It's cool. Was I the only one that saw Blade Runner 2049? Oh my god, I loved it. I saw it. Was it. Phenomenal. it was phenomenal. It was better so than the good. original. Like, oh, by it, far. Uh, yeah, like the original is is like a brilliant aesthetic movie with not much of a story and this was like, holy crap. Oh my god, yeah. I can't it get over how much I like it. Yeah, but did I? Uh, you saw my comparison, right? For what I said, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was. No, it's Chrono Cross. <sighs> it recontextualizes the original and actually oh, goes yeah. in and makes it better. Oh yeah, okay. I was gonna yeah. say, um, but like, it, I mean, it kills Luca. Like, well, no, no, no. It doesn't. Doesn't kill Wait, Luca. It doesn't have a. <laughs> it doesn't have a Panther dad. But like, you know, just go with me on this. Just go with me on this. Yeah, I'm. I'm mad at the world for not going to see that movie. Me too. Oh my Everybody. god, I thought it was so good. Oh my, like three hours. I was just like watching intensely the entire time, and I'm not even a big Blade Runner fan. 
And yeah. I was, whew, uh, I just don't get up to the movies all that often. And that was one where they have a, I don't know how common they are. Maybe it's just like a, a Southwestern thing, but Roadhouse Cinema. Do you guys have that there? Oh yeah, it's like the movie taverns that we have up here in the mm-hmm. in the great yeah. northeast up They're by good. the wall. Yeah, and we have one that was built less than ten minutes from our house that so we just sort of forget that we can go to, and they have a like a discount Tuesday night, so we went when it was already there. And uh, yeah, we just kicked back with some dinner and a drink and watched that movie. And yeah, I was glued to that, and I'm. I have a pretty good attention span. Like I, I can, I can focus on stuff pretty well, but for something, there's something about going to theaters. I usually tend to get pretty antsy towards mm-hmm. the end of it, just because I feel like I need to get up and stretch my legs or I don't know. And I inevitably start thinking about, I wonder how much longer is left in the movie, which I hate. Cause I want to be focused on the movie. Never thought that once in Blade Runner. Yeah. I was just totally, totally glued to it. So it's a yeah. Really good movie. It's really, anyway. did you see the uh, director's first movie arrival? No, no, no. You need to go watch that. Yeah, it's good. It's it's uh, contact done right. It's like oh, holy, yeah. whew, that the movie gives me the feels at the end. Yeah, of fighting words. I, I, what am I thinking of? Uh, no, I didn't see. Rebel. I'm thinking of the other one. Um, the one where they go into space and uh, they go into that one water planet, and it takes them like ten years. Interstellar. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Of. That's yeah. that's got a fantastic uh, Hans Zimmer soundtrack, but the some of the story beats don't land pretty well. It's it's very when you when you realize that movie was supposed to be Steven Spielberg, but we got Chris Nolan. It makes sense because it's like oh, all the technical stuff's better, but the emotional uh, stuff lands like a giant thud. Chris, Christopher Nolan's actually a robot and doesn't <laughs> understand human emotion. Well, like oh, I just every time. Every time I watch Interstellar, which I do like, I have to watch The Martian afterwards to cleanse my palate of uh, Matt, Matt Damon being a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, just <laughs> yeah. I, I need to watch good Matt Damon astronaut movie afterwards. You know? <laughs> oh, just go watch Dogma. No. He's a bad guy in that too, though. So. Uh, no. No, I was just going to say Space Arrival movie. is. Space movie is what I said. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Arrival really is just contact Rob. I just looked up the synopsis. Yeah, no, it totally is. <laughs> it's, it's just Jodie Foster again, basically. Like I, I very much adore that movie. It's you like it's Contact. Really, I, I like Contact. I like it, but that the the end reveal is like mm, little saccharine and not very sciencey. Whereas Arrival is extremely sciencey at the end. And I studied that stuff in grad school, and I don't like thinking about it because it scares the hell out of me. It's like it the whole scary. like it, it's like oh, the particle knows that it's about ready to be measured, so it misbehaves. I'm like oh, that's. That, no, I don't want to talk about that stuff. Like, no, 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 no. That's the yellow. Anyway. This makes me yeah. want to know what the hell's going on with Cyberpunk whenever I see Blade Runner. I'm going to put that out of my mind for the next two years. I'd I'd probably put it out of your mind longer, <laughs> maybe. I was I was texting uh, Stephen, uh, and we were just yelling at each other back and forth because that's what we do. And he was like, "I guarantee Kingdom Hearts three is going to be out next year." And I was like, "Oh, do I make that bet now or later?" Like, <laughs> like I lost that bet on Xenoblade, but am I going to do it again now? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all I care about is Dragon Quest, and when the hell we get that? I know, Can't and wait. I would I would love a. Well, Caitlin knows. We both want to send Nokiseki 3 announcement. Please? Yes. Are you guys just talking about Trails of Cold Steel when you do that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's the okay. Japanese. Sorry. Yeah. Trails of Cold Steel 3. Same thing. Yes. You, uh, please dumb it down for, the, for, for William in the room. Okay. Can you just. <laughs> can you just. <laughs> <speak>? <laughs> William. William. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I thought about picking up Neo on PC, and then I was like, no, no, no. I had I had my fill of Neo, and I, I want them to make a sequel and make it coherent and move oh, on from there. Say, I'm done with it, but I want more. What? No, it it, it, it it ended up holding my attention longer than it wanted to, but when it turns into Diablo, I think that game kind of loses it, like, completely. Like, I don't need... Uh, it, it it totally turns into a Luke hack game toward the end. Like it, it, it's actually a freaking gotcha game where like you're feeding like equipment to other equipment to make your equipment stronger. Otherwise you won't get further in the game. Like it gets really weird after you beat it the first time. It, it turns into a weird thing that I don't think actually works. Like, but the mm-hmm. combat's fun. It ended up being my favorite team ninja game. And that's just to tell you something. Um, Derek, give me the best way to play near. Near Automata? How, how should I do this? What do you mean, how should you do it? Well, I've, I've right. been told... Wait until it's over. No, I've been told <laughs> that I sh- that it, when, when I play Nier, what I should do is play through story A, play through story B, and then turn the game to easy and just plow through the rest of it. Oh, yeah, I would do that. Okay. I was just going to say, because you, you have to get through story C. Uh, my, my word of advice to you would be story B drags... Okay. And I'm not going to defend it because I really do think that it's too repetitive. It's too much of the same thing. You're seeing it from another angle, yeah. but you're still seeing a lot of the same cutscenes. Um, so story B will drag, and I promise you, it does get better after that. Okay. Okay. And it is it is totally different story C. It's okay. You're, you're uh, you, don't be pulled into thinking like, ugh, I don't want to do this three times. Um, just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame that they kind of. I don't know. I, I was hearing that Yoko Taro intentionally did that because he was like, well, I don't necessarily want people to be comfortable. <laughs> and and I don't know that like making an unfun game mechanic counts as any kind of like stirring intellectual insight or profound like piece of design. But um, it sure did make me like, ugh. but uh, it's very cathartic when you get to see. So it, it, do people say turn it down to easy because the game gets hard or just no, because the well, game becomes tedious? It just becomes tedious. Okay. Yeah, tedious. For sure. Okay, I can dig that. That that kind of gets to the conversation we've had for years on this show of like the game should just end when it needs to end. Yeah. Like, just don't don't make me keep playing over and over and like doing more and more stuff. Like uh, uh, another game that will be coming out, another platinum joint uh, Clover game is uh, Okami is coming out again. And Yay! once again, I will play that game up till the Snow Kingdom and then stop again because that's what I've done like four goddamn times with that game. Like. So I keep going, this game should just be done at like 20 hours. Like, just stop. I really agree. I think it's phenomenal. But man, oh, it's, man, it's, do I get annoyed by how long. Really? I feel like the only person who doesn't mind that. I, yeah, I think I mean, it's an amazing game, but like... Really you have to get off so many times. Like, yeah. I, I've seen, um, talking about the original Xenoblade, we've got some people that are replaying it and you know uh i know like, like scott's um, oh yeah scott yeah scott's replaying it um but i've seen people who are like when does this game ever end like uh and they they think that the end of the game is when you go into mechanis and it's like nope sorry and i'm like oh no i thought yeah, that, that got was actually a cool fake out i think the only thing about the original xenoblade that got me was that toward the end of that game the difficulty spike got pretty intense like the the last couple bosses were like, holy God, right. the one I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the one yeah. the one with all the, the, the death lava around. Yeah, there. yeah. And like yeah. I, I took a year break off that game and then came you were back so to close it. to the end. 
I know, yeah. but I I had to level for like five hours to beat that boss because I was not doing any damage to it. And then I was able to beat it, and then I had like another three hours of leveling to do in like the prison castle thingy and then i finally beat the game but like at that point i was just like i'm really just grinding and i'm not digging this like i i didn't feel that way at all in that game i felt like the natural exploration was keeping me like my head above water in terms of difficulty the whole way through and then that game just became a cliff of just like you need to be like level 70 asshole and i was like okay okay like, someone you... wasn't doing side quests i was like why are you getting so mean xenoblade like jesus oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it does get pretty mean You're right. that, that game got mean me yep but i i think that i was you know i'm such a huge xenoblade fan i enjoyed it the whole way through i did not feel like that one went on too long i just think the problem with okami is that it reaches a point where it it sort of wraps everything up, or at least it feels like it does, but then they sort of create new stuff to have you approach and, and deal with. And they do it twice. Like, doing it once would have been awesome, and I would have been cool with that. And I, I like fake-out endings, you know, when they're done well. But for me, Okami was just like, why, why does this happen twice? After the second, you know, basically credit roll, I was like, oh, okay, cool. That was good. That was long, but it was good. And then it kept going. I was like, are you kidding me? It feels yeah. like Okami's like two seasons of an anime when it only needed to be one. Like three seasons, dude. Uh, okay, okay, like yeah. three. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you but, can never have too much Okami. Sorry. Well, I look forward to hearing about the uh, HD version when you talk about it on the show. Oh, are we allowed to talk about it? Is it officially a Zelda game now? Are we, are we allowed? Oh, I, I mean, I we just talked about Justice League. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do it, yeah. The only problem is it comes out right after Xenoblade. So, like, I want to get it day one, but, like, I know that even if I do, I'm not going to be playing it because Xenoblade. So, I don't know that I'm going to get to it until next year. Yeah, well, you can always get it. And the same thing with, like, the uh, the weird autumn edition of, uh, of Night in the Woods, which, I mean, that's a free update. It's not like I have to get it, but, like, I don't know when I'm going to get around to playing it because Xenoblade. Damn you, yep. Xenoblade. But there is no Monado unless they fake us out. I think Pyra is the Monado. No, she's not Monado. Unless, yeah, unless the plot she's got a happen. freaking Zohar in her chest. I know what that is. I know, right? Me too. She's got the Zohar in her chest. Freaking, uh, what's her face is going to show up from Xenosaga, and I'm going to get really like, what? Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) Well, they both have the the weird uh, miniskirt band-aid thing going on. They both have that design aesthetic. Mm -hmm. I actually uh, don't hate Pyra's design. I, she's a little anime boob monster for me, but like. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I wish her boobs were a bit just, smaller. Yeah, physics don't really work, but I mean, it's all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that's a hell of a corset she's wearing. I mean, that that's impressive. <laughs> but it, I, I, I got to say that the Nintendo Directs have made that game look a lot better. I'm like, okay, I've got a feel for what this game is now. Because the first time they showed it, I was like, I don't even know what I'm watching. Like, yeah, you're like, what is this? What I, yeah. I, I, I know, it always seems like the make game look bad. The last one was good. <laughs> uh, Derek, can you do me a favor? What? Uh, in like a month or two, when Final Fantasy 15 comes out on PC, can you tell me to just not buy it? <laughs> Why would you consider buying it? Because like, I, part of me really wants to play that game at 60 FPS. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't... I, did they ever fix the way that the menus work in that game and how awful it is just to fast travel? Did they ever fix that? I don't know what you're talking about. 
I don't think. Oh, you mean like with you having to different buttons? Different buttons do different things on different screen. Okay, okay, then I shouldn't play it again. Okay. Also, frames is not is not going to fix the story. Or yeah, I just I just want to be able to tell what the hell's going on in that game because a lot of times I was like, man, I got a fifty inch screen in my in my living room and I don't have any idea what the hell's going on and I can't see shit. Frames like, aren't gonna do that. <laughs> All the frames it could be going at one hundred and twenty fps and you still wouldn't be able to tell what the living f is going on there. Yeah, I so deeply don't um, care about them continuing to expand this game, which I know <laughs> we we talked about it a bunch and. Uh, I appreciate that they want to make things right. I'm, I'm a broken record at this point, but I'm so done. Just make things right by making the next game and not repeating and the same mistakes. Like, yeah. just do, do that, okay? Like, yeah. I mean, we talked about Valkyria Chronicles. What if Sega had gone back and said, well, we're going to fix Valkyria Revolution? Would anyone give a flying freak Th- about one, that? There's probably not. Like Wisconsin that's putting their hand up right now. Just like, yeah. Hey. You could you put that hand right back down, dude. Sorry, no one would care because the initial you know outing was just so horrid. But if Valkyria Chronicles Four is as good as we all hope it was, it will be. They will be partially or mostly forgiven, I think, in a lot of fans' eyes. So, you know, do the same thing here. Just, I feel like. You know, I have a huge chip on my shoulder, about 15. But on, on one hand, it's like from a resource standpoint, I would rather that they just turn around and spend the, the development time and the money making 16 as, you know, as good of a game as it can be. And let's just hope that it's better than 15. Yeah, I feel the same way. I can hope so. I just don't know. Seeing Dragon Quest Eleven and how beautiful that game is and its open world and running around and getting into random encounters, I'm like, if you told me Final Fantasy sixteen was gonna be that, I'd be A okay with that. Like you, you could have all the leather and and uh, and topless dudes that you got, and I would be like like aesthetically <laughs> I'd have zero problem with it, but I just I never dug that combat in fifteen. I just never I never got into it. I never got a firm hold on it. I never really knew what was happening. And if you just told me we're going to make traditional random encounters, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. I think it's funny because I actually, I thought that, uh, you know, for all its purported hands off ness or whatever you want to call it. I, I can't think of words right now. 13. I feel like you had more control over 13 a lot of the time than 15. I'll definitely agree to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I will because you're at least directing your paradigms and, and having your characters do specific things rather than kind of like holding down your attack button. And sometimes it, it connects and sometimes you get caught in an object or the monster moves unpredictably or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I think 15 in a lot of ways feels a little bit more loose. Well, and I, I think there's a couple different ways you could go down it. Like twelve, Final Fantasy twelve and Xenoblade have showed us that like that MMO style tactical combat where you're kind of leading a party and doing like the big picture stuff can work really, really well. So like I'm on board with that. And Dragon Quest eleven and Shin Megami Tensei four have shown us that like you can make a turn based game that is really, really snappy. And really, really fun and interactive and tough and looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Final yeah. Fantasy 15 is like in this weird, like, I'm kind of just directing-ish the action and it's an action game, but not. And I don't, 
I just don't know what they're trying to do. Like, it doesn't fall into either of those categories. It, it's its own thing that I just never felt good playing. Yeah. And so, what's the problem here? I think if you, you know, it, it's sort of like Nintendo listened to everybody and they made a big, giant Super Mario game with tons and tons of crap to find. And everybody seems to be A-okay with that. I'm A-okay with that. Like, what's wrong with just giving people what they want? Well, I mean, with Final Fantasy, they definitely want to push the envelope and do something new. So, I mean, yeah, it's tough because they have a history of innovation and wanting to always sort of break their existing system in some way. So I, I don't want to play the same thing again, but I sure. there are certain, I don't know, it's really tough to say. There are certain aspects, I think, of the existing systems that are like tried and tested that they can continue to work with. So I just don't like... Some uh, modern games, I just don't... I, I hate jank! I hate it. I hate it so yeah. much. I yeah, want jank sucks. I want my games to be, to be like, clean and easy to understand, and I want my actions to have sort of, like, the intended result every time. And, and by that, I don't mean I want to win 100% of the time, but, like, if I press A, I want the action that results from pressing A to happen every time, no matter what, with the same. Not, not the whole, not the whole X thing in Final Fantasy fifteen, where it's like you, you're supposed to press X and it never registers the first time. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> that too, but I just mean like if A is is swing my sword, I want A to swing my sword in such a way that like if it bounces off of an environmental object, that's fine because it's part of the mechanic, or like you know if I'm not in range of hitting the enemy, that's fine. And maybe I'm oversimplifying this issue too much, but like. It's a thing like in 15, if you hold down the attack button, like I said, he starts swinging, but maybe you're not close enough. Maybe you, maybe there's something janky happening in terms of like the physics of the, the monster. You know what I mean? Like, I, so just, I, think, I hate that stuff so much. So Derek, I think I hear you on this. So you want to play a game where the animations Hot are no. easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love We it. have a... I, you know about how I have the platinum for Bloodborne because my roommate played it on my account before he got a <laughs> PS4, right? Oh my god! <laughs> and and then he got his own platinum by playing through it again once he got his own PS4. I think if those games were were aesthetically pleasing to you, I think you could get into them. I, I don't mm-hmm. think you're down with the, the the dark gothic. Yeah, uh, I mean, I love Castlevania. So I don't That's hate. True. I, I don't know why they. Do. I, I they just don't work for me. I don't like. There's a there's like a lack of polish and some of the UI design that drives me nuts. I can agree with that. Yep. So nope. I can totally. I, I going back and playing Demon Souls. Sometimes I'm like, oh my god, like, uh, <laughs> yeesh. Um, I I if you were gonna play one, I would still recommend three. I, I've said that multiple times on this show. I think three is the most accessible Souls game and is actually really accepting of newcomers like that that game's very like friendly is probably the wrong word but like it plays like a traditional video game where like it gets harder as you go through it is not like curb stompingly hard at the start and i think that's actually really good for it but uh yeah I, i think if they maybe came out with a new aesthetic or a new gimmick which is why i'm sitting here keeping my fingers crossed that at the playstation experience thing in december from software finally announces whatever the hell they're working on but I don't think they will. I want them to announce um, new platforms. Did you hear about Romancing Saga 2? Mm -mm. So Mm -hmm. is that a yes or no? No, that was a mm mm-mm. Oh, so, you know, Saga series. So Romancing Saga 2, they they remade it, and it came out on mobile, like, last year. And they had said that the Vita version would be coming west because of fan demand. And uh, 
it's finally time for it to come west. And they they just tweeted a few days ago that it's coming west for Vita and other platforms. So um, if we can get Romancing Saga 2 on like Switch or PS4, that would be amazing because I miss playing Saga games that aren't Unlimited Saga. Well, I mean, you have a Saga game coming out in Octopath Traveler. I mean, can we just... Yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah, it's a freaking Saga game, for God's sake. Like, it I'm, is. I'm not... Saga mixed with Bravely, kind of. I'm not complaining about that. I think that's that's a okay. And they're they're taking. We talked about Octopath a little bit, but it came back up in my my thought process the other day. They're really taking the same approach that Team Ninja did with Neo of like listening to criticisms, and they put out like that report saying like, "Here's what people thought of Octopath. Like they thought this was a little too dark, and they wanted us to work on this and this." And that made Neo a much much better game than what it looked like a year before release. So. Mm-hmm. I'm really hopeful that I, I thought Octopath was very, very fun what I played, but I'm a little worried that that battle system might turn into, uh, uh, oh God, what's the Bravely game? Default. No, 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 no. Other DS game that I should love, but oh, I don't. Oh, Radiant Historia. Yes, thank you. The the one that just gets very monotonous with its combat. Yeah. I can see Octopath going down that <laughs> going path. Down path. <laughs> uh, but but I, I like the fact that they're listening to fan responses on that. I wonder when the hell we get that next year. Maybe summer? Yeah. Um, Hopefully. Yeah, I'm guessing summer or fall, but my yeah. guess. I'll be down with that. I'll be down. Yeah. That's about the time we'll be getting the Switch redesign that's going to make me really angry. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's going to be thinner. Like, oh, here's double the battery. They need a new dock first. Oh. They need a new dock first. When it actually outputs power properly. So that- so when it's docked, it actually plays like it should. Yeah. Mm. We all know they're going to do that. I'm going to buy the damn thing, and I'm going to be so angry at myself. We're all going to do that. <laughs> yeah, we, killed, we killed the battery on the Switch really fast during Thanksgiving. Like, I was really surprised. Like, that, uh, I wish that thing had slightly better battery life. I know, I know. I just... Battery life drives me nuts on that damn thing. I love yeah. it, though. Oh, I just bought a... For Black Friday sales, they had SanDisk micro SD cards on sale for oh, Amazon yeah. at 120 oh, I got it. 28 bucks. Yeah, I that. That's yeah, I right now. Jackie's old phone, we were going to put a micro SD in there, but then we ended up getting pixels, so I guess I'm just going to put that micro SD in the Switch. I don't think I have to tell her, right? I don't have to tell her. <laughs> like, she's not going to use it in anything, right? It, it's, it's, it's fair game now. It's fair game. You say so. Let's put that right. She has gotten really good at Mario. She has been playing the shit out of Mario. So she's and almost she ready can, for. She can teach you some tricks. Uh, yeah. No, she's she had a good good. She's really bad at the butt stomp, jump, hat flip, jump. Like she's really bad at that. So whenever she needs to get on like a super high platform, I'm the one that does that. <laughs> That's where you butt stomp, and then at the top of your jump, you throw your hat, and then you land on the hat, and you jump off of it. So you get like a double jump. Yeah. That's really There's good for getting to some getting to some platforms. There's some uh, uh, moves in that game. I, I still think that game should use more than two buttons. Like the the motion controls, especially when you need to be precise. I yeah. Wait, what do you, wait, what do you want? I just it, give me a button to do the circular hat flip. Yeah, yeah, that that's like, really hard to pull off, especially if you're in handheld mode. Like, wait, the yeah. the thing that where it goes around you? Yes. Yeah. You know how you can rotate the stick, right? That you can rotate the stick in a circle and press, like just rotate it once and press Y, and he'll throw it all around him. Uh, sort of like a bayonetta move. Okay, uh, that yeah. is not what the game says. So bad, bad I, game. I think. Yeah, you bad, should be able game. to spin Mario around using a little analog stick, and then, like, you gotta, 
you know how if you spin enough, he starts to like do the rotate thing? Where oh, he yeah, does yeah, the yeah. weird flower jump. Uh, yeah. where his arms are spinning in a circle. Like I think if you just initiate that and then throw it. I wanna say that's maybe I'm crazy, but I'm like ninety percent sure you can. I can boot it up right now and find out. There's there's yeah, one, please. Because there's one, there's one part on the ultimate devil challenge at the end of that game where you are climbing up a pole that is sinking into lava and so you have to do the thing where like you're shaking the controller at the same time you're holding y to go up but it requires such precision movement that if you move mario around the pillar it's going to get you killed so now you're shaking a controller and trying to hold the analog stick in place that just doesn't that doesn't feel good like that's there's some moments in that game where it really needs precision that are infuriating, like absolutely infuriating. And maybe I just don't have the patience for it, but I think. Oh, like what about the two buttons? What about the homing move with the cap? You have, I, I don't know how you I do got, it without. I've never that to consistently work. You have to shake the controller, the, the Joy-Cons to do that. So it's like, yeah. I mean, like they're fun, but it's like, uh, yeah, I feel a little weird in that there are some moves that you can only do using motion controls. Also, can- trying to play that game when you're like at the gym and you have the Joy-Con separate from the Switch itself is frustrating as all heck because you cannot turn off motion controls. Yeah, or- that's okay. the thing. Mm. Go I ahead, just booted it up confirmed. So if you spin the left stick around like maybe twice very quickly, he'll start to do his rotate thing. Hold down the hat button, the throw and button, and he, and he will do it every time. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That, the other thing is like when you're in the tank and you're trying to shoot things, it is using motion control at the same time you're using the analog stick, mm-hmm. and there's no way to turn right, that off. Right, right, yeah. That that's dumb. Yeah. Like that, like that was the first thing. I know a lot of people swear by it in Zelda, but I turned off the motion control. I just oh, don't. really, I did really like that. I, but I got I, used to it in Zelda, but at least I you can turn it off. Yeah, ahead, that's true, Nathan. But I just turned mine off too when I played Zelda. Yeah, I, I just, it, it's one of those things where I love the the simplicity of Mario, but there's a couple times where it works against it. I, I for the life of me, couldn't get one moon with a frog jump because I didn't realize I'd do the shaky controller to get the super frog jump. Oh, right, yeah. That was a little like, okay, game, that's that's a dick move. <laughs> like, that's a dick move. All right. Yeah, well, I, you know, Mario's a fantastic RPG. It has a wonderful upgrade system where you yeah, get clothes. Yeah. <laughs> You can outfit your character with different equipment. But it is weird. Like, for some reason, I found it way more compelling than Zelda because, like, just getting the moons was fun enough on its own. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. Zelda, I started getting tired of going to the shrines because I was like, well, I get the four things and then I'll get a health upgrade. And I just, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I, I I enjoyed Mario more than Breath of the Wild. Yeah, so. and I, I still like Breath of the Wild, and I'll be interested to see how they incorporate RPG mechanics into their Metroid open world game, where like Samus has to kill like fifty uh, fifty Metroids in order oh, to get, no. get a health Please increase. No. Let's, let's not do that. <laughs> I was remembering, Derek. You were so mean on Samus Returns on the last episode. Like you F got that game. You got hostile. I I disagree with you, but I understand all your criticisms. I I disagree with you. I think you're a little harsh, but yeah, I am. Have it it is that game does not have the Metroid backtracking that I wish it did. Mm-hmm. And everything does kind of look the same. It's a little yeah. big for big sake. Yeah, it's one of those, like, I don't objectively think it's a piece of garbage. I mean, everything is subjective, so that's a stupid thing to say anyway. But, um, yeah, no, I don't think it's terrible. I just uh, would 
argue that it's not the best Metroid game we've had in a long time, even close to that. I, I think it is by virtue of the fact that the last game was Zero Mission. <laughs> so, like, yeah, but, but I'm saying there are like yeah. so many non-Metroid games oh, yeah. that come out definitely that are in that style that are so vastly superior. Yeah. The one thing I did want to bring up because I don't know if I said it during the pre-show warm-up last episode or during that episode, I do love the way Samus controls in that game. Like, I adore the way she controls. Like, that, for what they were able to do on that 3DS with that little nub, even though my the rubber on my nub came off because I was playing that game so hard. <laughs> the like rubber it, on your nub? The came rubber off. on my nub came off, Derek. Can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, it's really impressive what they were able to do control-wise with that. There were moments of, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to pull that off, and then I did. And I was like, ooh, that, that feels really good. I like that. It's a good game. You play a role. You play a role. You sure you do. Play a role. All right. Apparently, I need to go to Costco and buy some stuff. And then... Yeah, we need to go to Costco, too. Oh, cool. And then uh, I, I do the hot dogs. I know I hate myself, but I love them. Oh, you get the hot dog burps from those, though. <laughs> uh, I know, but I love them, Derek. I'm such I, I, I'm a slut for like just bad like bar food, burgers, hot dogs. Like I'm going to be dead by the time I'm 40. Like, bring it on. Like, let's well, let's do this. You're here for a good time, not for a long time. I, I am I am here to to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I am all out of gum. <laughs> I was not Duke Nukem there. I was the late Roddy Roddy Piper. Thank you very much uh, from They Live. Uh, but yeah, apparently we need to go do a Costco run, and then when I get home, I'm going to beat Rampa V3, and I might have to yell at you! <laughs> oh, I, feel free to call me. I oh I I did want to ask is the um uh, without spoilers um is the time limit on that last thing real? It's per action, not per like real time. So every time you open a door or click on something, time advances. Can I actually fail that? Um, yes, and I did, but it'll just dump you back a little bit earlier with more stamina. So you can't like perma fail. Oh, okay. So just okay, plan okay. to redo some. I I do like what it's building up to, and I we need to do a spoiler cast on that. We we need to we need to get like you, me, Alana, and Solosi on that, and we just need to spoiler cast the crap out of that game because I, I I think I'm going to be like you guys. I'm so conflicted on it. There are things I absolutely love, and then there is I. Mm, it's a weird <laughs> game. Mm-hmm. It's a it weird is. game. <laughs> It's really weird. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Definitely the most contentious, I think, uh, in the franchise. No question. During the fifth trial, when the dude came out with like just the big reveal, I was like, that. there's no way that's the big reveal, because I guessed that in the first chapter. So where the hell are you guys going? I was just like, that. Th- there's no way. I guessed all this stuff, and it's not the end of the game, so there's no way that this is the reveal. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Fun. Uh, also, I I was so upset about when what's his face died. Me too. I was Me so too. upset. I was so mad about that. I one. loved him so much, and I was like, "No, no, come on!" How could this happen? I know. Well, that's Danganronpa for you. So. <laughs> okay. Well, you continue <laughs> to enjoy that, and we should probably wrap this up. So yes, we we're gonna wrap now. this up. Okay, we got a little random there at the end on uh, an episode. Random, random encounter. encounter. I, I would have thought. All right. So, uh. Nathan, did you have fun on your first episode? Yeah, it was a good time. I'm looking forward to doing this again. We're loud. I apologize. We're we're loud and opinionated around here. Yeah, we've yeah, done this. We've learned to talk over each other a lot. <laughs> Not trying to be rude, but Rob and I have to like do that <laughs> to communicate at this point. So 
It's all right. When you listen to me on my own podcast, even I'm a little quiet there. So, oh, please, by all means, what podcast should we listen to? Oh, I'll direct you in the link after. No, I'm telling no, this you. Is, no, this is where we're it. giving you a chance to shill it on the podcast there, Nathan. Uh, so I run my own N- Nintendo themed podcast with a friend of mine, and uh, we post it on YouTube. Okay. Cool. So, so and and what is it Nintendo. called? It's called, we call it the Big N right now. It's the Big N oh, podcast. Oh, cool. Okay. Big N podcast. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I can just imagine that uh, all uh, when I was complaining about Super Mario Odyssey, Nathan was just the Arthur gif of the fist. Just the whole time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I haven't got around to it yet, so we'll see if, if uh, I'll agree with that or not. I, I adore that game, but man, did I get toward the end and whoo, the rage started coming out. Woo. Anybody who says that Mario Odyssey is not hard, I'm like, yeah, just just keep playing. Oh yeah, it gets hard for yeah. sure. Yeah, like, it, most Mario games do it by the end. They get yeah, played. it's super nice until you get to the end of that game, and then it's just like I am the Dark Souls of Super Mario games. <laughs> yes. Not just to be happy. <laughs> I love you, Derek. I love you. You're not coming to Magfest, are you? Uh, probably not. Derek, I'm going to New Jersey for New Year's. Oh, hey, that's right in our wheelhouse. You should stop by and say hi. Jackie will give you alcohol. Oh, okay. I'll be there. <laughs> Lord, knows you, Lord knows you got like 50 bottles of scotch upstairs. So, anywho. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. For Derek, Caitlin, and Nathan, we will see you all later. See you. The Dark Souls of Costco runs. They, they just don't let you in when you show the ID. <laughs> Cleric Beast in the sample aisle, like dun 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 dun. dun you actually know the music because you've heard it so much. <laughs> that song is good. The song is really good. The song is really good. Oh, Ooh. that Muppet Vicar Amelia. I know way too much about Bloodborne, having never played it myself. <laughs> Vicar Amelia is a Muppet. You can't deny that. Uh, okay, no, she is. She is. All right, we're stopping this now. Okay. Ha <laughs> ha.